the early Christians assembled for the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. This is Episode 21, The First and Second Commandments of the Church. Parents have the most grave obligation to do everything in their power to ensure their children's physical, social, cultural, moral, and religious upbringing. By the time a Catholic enters adulthood, they are more likely today than ever to stop following their Catholic faith. We must work together to turn this around. Do you find it difficult to find time to teach your children the faith? Is it hard to find the right way to teach your children the faith? Are you ready to take more responsibility to help the children you know prepare for eternal life in heaven? You've come to the right place, and I'm here to help. This is All About My Catholic Faith, a podcast series to help you learn your faith and inspire you to better share the faith with those you love. And now, it's time for All About My Catholic Faith. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of All About My Catholic Faith. I'm so very blessed to have my son Christopher join me today again for this podcast episode. So, how you doing, Christopher? It was a long day at school, you know, but I'm doing just fine. How are you doing? I'm doing absolutely great. It's a wonderful day, you know, especially when I can be with you, and even better, when I can talk about the Catholic faith. So, Christopher, I know you haven't been able to join me except for the last couple episodes, So I'm really glad that you're here today. So for the benefit of anyone else out there who may have not have listened to all the previous episodes, I want to give a brief rundown of where we've been. We've actually been through a lot already, and it all started with the first lesson, with the purpose of man's existence. And then we went on to talk about God and his perfections. The next area that we talked about was the unity and trinity of God, and then we rolled right into God's creations and the angels. After that, we talked about the creation and fall of mankind with Adam and Eve's original sin, and unfortunately, we had to talk about actual sin. In the weeks after that, we talked about the incarnation and the redemption, and then we talked about the Holy Spirit and grace. We then talked about the virtues and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and then we started talking about the Catholic Church. The next week, we talked more specifically about the Catholic Church and about the four marks of the Church. The week after that, we talked about the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and then after that, we talked about the resurrection and life everlasting. So all the lessons we've been talking about are based on the Baltimore Catechism, which is a catechism that was taught to children and young teens back in, you know, uh, all the way until, let's say, maybe 1970 or so, when the church stopped using the Baltimore Catechism and started using other forms of catechizing our youth. So all those lessons I just recapped were from part one of the Baltimore Catechism, which is about the creed. If you haven't had a chance to listen to those episodes, you can find them where you are listening to this show now or at our website, allaboutmycatholicfaith.com. The next section of the Baltimore Catechism talks about the commandments. So we started talking about the two great commandments, and then we talked about the first of the Ten Commandments of God, Thou shalt not have strange gods before me. 
That led us right into a talk about honoring the saints, relics, and images. And then we started talking about the rest of the Ten Commandments until we wrapped up last week with talking about the 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th Commandments of God. This week and next week, we're going to talk about the commandments of the Catholic Church herself. This week, we're going to talk about the first and second of those commandments, and then next week, we'll talk about the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth commandments of the Catholic Church. So, Christopher, I'd like to give you and the other listeners some questions to think about as we go through the lesson, all right? Sure. What do you got? The first question is, what did the Jews do on the Sabbath day? The next question, what did the Jews do on big feasts? And the next question to think about during the lesson is, what change did Jesus make? Before we can talk about the church giving us actual commandments after the Ten Commandments, we need to find out why and how the Catholic Church was given the authority to even give us commandments or laws. The Catholic Church has the right to make laws because Jesus gave the church that authority. Jesus did that in St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 19, when he said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. By saying this, Jesus was telling Peter and the apostles that they had the keys to heaven. Having the keys meant they had the authority to make the rules to help each one of us out. Just like you having the keys to your own house. With you having the keys to your house, you have all the power and authority of who you want to let in. You make the rules because it's your house, and you have the keys. Jesus gave the keys to the church to St. Peter and the Apostles. That's why and how the Catholic Church has the power and the authority to make rules and laws to teach us what Jesus taught. Jesus wanted the Apostles to teach things that he taught in order to bring everybody in his church, the Catholic Church, to heaven to be with him forever for all eternity. Here's a quick Bible reading from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the Apostles and to the communal life, to the breaking of the bread, and to the prayers. So we hear in this verse that the early followers of the church were learning and teaching and breaking bread and praying. How did this all start? Before we can get into this lesson, let's see what the first two commandments of the Catholic Church actually are. The first commandment of the Catholic Church is for everyone to assist at Mass on all Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation. The second commandment of the Church is to fast and abstain on the days appointed. We'll talk a little bit more about those in just a moment. So do you know how the Mass started? I think so, but I'm not 100% sure. Jesus and most of his followers were Jewish. The Jewish people worship God in a very special way by doing sacrifices, fasting, praying, and doing good deeds. On the Jewish Sabbath, which remember was Saturday, they always went to the synagogue to pray and sing hymns and to hear the teachings about God and how to live a holy life. On the special feasts, they would go to the temple in Jerusalem to take part in great sacrifices that were being offered to God. When Jesus started teaching, he told his followers that there would be a change in the way things were being done. 
Jesus gave his followers new ceremonies and a new sacrifice. Jesus explained this to them with a story that you can read in the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 5, verse 38. He told them that what he was giving them was like giving them new wine. Jesus told everybody that this new wine must be put into fresh new wineskins. A wineskin is an old-fashioned thermos or bottle, let's say, made out of animal skin. That's what people put their wine in to keep it fresh so they could drink it as they were walking through the hot desert or whatever they were doing. The problem is, is that if you put fresh new wine in an old worn-out wineskin, the wine skid could burst open and all that wonderful wine could spill onto the ground. Jesus was saying that the new wine that was the new way that he wanted the people in his church to start worshiping, and the new skin was going to be his church. Instead of pouring new wine into the old wineskin, he was going to pour his new wine, or his new way, into a new wineskin, his new church, the Catholic Church. Pentecost Sunday is when the Catholic Church officially started, when the apostles began going out and preaching and teaching the ways of Jesus and showing us all how to make it to heaven. Jesus also gave the apostles explicit instructions on how to celebrate Holy Communion. You know, we'll talk more about that next week. On Pentecost Sunday, the Holy Spirit came down to give the apostles the power and the knowledge to continue forever and ever preaching and teaching the way of Jesus. Jesus told them that his church will continue forever, all the way until the end of time, and that nothing would stop it, not even the greatest evil from the devil. You know, that's very comforting to know that if you're in the Catholic Church, you're in the very church that Jesus started, which has continued now, unbroken, through the bishops, all the way back to St. Peter, and, of course, all the way back to Jesus Christ himself. Jesus told his followers that the new church, the new way of doing things, would be similar to what they were used to doing in their Jewish celebrations, but it would be new, a new wineskin. The sacrifice of the Mass is our greatest celebration. It happens every Sunday and on every holy day of obligation. Uh, actually, it takes place every single day in most places throughout the world. The sacrifice of the Mass that we go to every Sunday is actually a continuation of the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross on Good Friday when he was crucified. Because of his crucifixion, we must sacrifice and go at least once a week on Sunday to Holy Mass. I don't really see it as a sacrifice to go to Mass. I truly look forward to going to worship Jesus. Remember, we're commanded to do this in the Third Commandment, to keep holy the Lord's Day. This was not only a rule for the Jews, but also is a rule for the followers of Jesus. We must go to Mass every Sunday and on all the holy days of obligation. And this again is to show that we are willing to share in the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on Calvary. If we don't go to Mass on Sunday or holy days, is this really a sin? Ah, good question. And the answer is yes. If you miss Mass on Sunday or holy day of obligation because it's your own fault, then it is considered a sin. And not only is this considered a sin, but also a very serious sin, which is a mortal sin, since it directly breaks one of the Ten Commandments. Remember, if a person dies with any mortal sins that have not been confessed and forgiven, they may go to hell. You certainly don't want any mortal sins on your soul or conscience when you die, because remember, hell is 
definitely the hottest place, and you don't want to go there. The church has a wonderful thing called confession, where we can go to the priest and be absolved or forgiven of all our sins that we've committed. If we go to confession regularly, then we'll always be able to keep our soul in a state of grace. We'll talk more about the sacrament of confession in a later lesson, but remember, go to confession often because none of us know when that day will be here for us to die. We don't want to die without notice with unforgiven mortal sins on our soul. You know, you may have heard of about a tragic event that happened on Super Bowl Sunday in Southern California. A plane that was flying in the air just suddenly dropped out of the sky and unfortunately it landed in a neighborhood and it hit a house. And in that house were four people, the two people that lived there and two people that were visiting who were getting ready to watch the Super Bowl like, you know, a lot of people do. And unfortunately, all four of those people died. And you've seen that example all the time where people die of accidents. And, you know, this freak accident, you know, who would have thought that you're one minute getting ready for a Super Bowl and have a great time with your friends and the next minute, you're gone. You're out of here. I really hope those people were in a state of grace or they had a last split second to make things right with Jesus. My advice to you and to me, of course, is to go to confession often so that our soul will remain clean and pure and ready for that unknown time when we may be called to join Jesus in heaven. Can you talk about the holy days of obligation that we have? Sure. There are currently six holy days of obligation in the United States. They are Christmas Day, the day that Jesus was born, Solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, which is a special day that we celebrate Mary being the mother of Jesus, who is God, which makes Mary the mother of God. Ascension Thursday is the next holy day, and that's 40 days after Easter when Jesus rose back to heaven to join his Father. In August every year, we celebrate the Assumption of Mary. This is the day that the Blessed Virgin Mary was taken body and soul into heaven at the time she died. The next holy day of obligation is November 1st, which is All Saints Day. This is the day after Halloween. You may not know, but if you do, that's great. Halloween means All Hallows' Eve, or the Eve before All Saints' Day. The last holy day of obligation is the Immaculate Conception in December, which is the celebration and the remembrance of the day that Mary was conceived in her mother's womb without any sin. Everyone else in the world, except Jesus, of course, was born in a state of sin because of the sin of Adam and Eve. On these holy days, we are required and obliged to go to Mass. Sometimes a bishop in a particular country or area of the country will say that a particular holy day may be moved from its regular day to the closest Sunday. When this happens, then on that Sunday, we will have specific readings that pertain to that holy day. Remember, on holy days, we should go to Mass and stay away from very hard work and servile work, the same as we would be doing on Sundays. That helps. I guess I'm ready for you to talk about fast and abstinence, if that's all right. All right, here we go. The second commandment of the church is that we should fast and abstain on days that are designated. A fast is a day that you give up some of your food. This is a sign of sacrifice. Well, it is actually a real sacrifice that we make because it may cause you to be more hungry than normal. 
On a fast day, you may have one full meal and your other two meals combined shouldn't be any larger than the total of one meal. Everyone who's in the Catholic Church and who is at least 18 years old and not yet 60 years old and in good health should obey the rules of fasting on these special days. Okay, I have some time yet before I have to fast, but can I if I want to? Yeah, you sure can. Anyone can observe fast days. I would talk to your parents before you fast, but since I am your parent, I'm good with that. A day of abstinence means on that day we should not eat meat. During every Friday during Lent, you should not eat meat. We don't eat meat on Fridays during Lent, so we can show Jesus that we're willing to give up something that is very good and that we like for the love of him. Jesus spent 40 days in the desert with only bread and water. Lent is the 40 days leading up to Easter Sunday. We're not called to live only on bread and water during Lent, but our abstinence of meat on Fridays is our way to sacrifice, as Jesus did in the desert. The rules for abstinence applies to those who have been baptized and are 14 years and older. You look like you may have a few questions. said that Mass is a sacrifice and that we continue the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. Does that mean that he's being sacrificed again every Mass? Not exactly. We have the sacrifice of the Mass to remember and to continue the sacrifice that Jesus did on the cross at Calvary. This doesn't mean at all that Jesus is being sacrificed again and again at every Mass. Instead, we're taking part in the very same sacrifice from 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins. That's just one thing that makes the Mass so awesome. We are placed right there at the foot of the cross with his mother and the Apostle St. John. That does sound pretty awesome. Does the church make laws without Jesus' help? No, Jesus helped the church by sending the Holy Spirit to the apostles and their successors, the bishops of today's church. With the help of the Holy Spirit, the church has always been and always will be protected from officially teaching us anything that goes against the will of God. So you can be confident in everything the church teaches you. If we go to Mass only on some Sundays, are we obeying the law of the church? Absolutely not. If we only go some Sundays, we are disobeying the laws of the church and the laws of God. We must go to Mass every Sunday and every holy day of obligation, unless we just can't make it because we're too sick or for another extraordinary reason. Can you tell me the six holy days again? Sure. The holy days of obligation in which we are to go to Mass are Christmas Day, which is December 25th, Solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, on January 1st, Ascension Thursday, which is 40 days after Easter, the Assumption of Mary on August 15th, All Saints Day, November 1st, and the Immaculate Conception on December 8th. On a day of fasting, how many meals can we eat? On a fast day, only one full meal can be eaten, and the other two meals they eat should be equal to or less than the total that you eat in one full meal. So basically, we should only be eating about one meal and then up to a second meal. You said the first commandment of the church was that we should assist at Mass on every Sunday and Holy Days of Obligation. How can I do that if I'm not an altar server or in the choir? Awesome. That's a really awesome question. Assisting at Mass doesn't actually mean that you have to be an usher or an altar server or be in the choir. 
It means that you pay close attention to what's happening at Mass and read along or pray along with the priest during the Mass. The Mass that we celebrated throughout the entire world prior to 1965 or so is the Latin Mass, or the Mass in the Extraordinary Form. That Mass is prayed nearly entirely in Latin, the official language of the Church. Even with the priest praying in Latin, we can still all follow along by watching closely to what's going on, reading along in the Missal, and answering the priests with the appropriate responses. The same goes for the new form of the Mass, called the Novus Ordo Mass. We should still be following closely along to what the priest is doing and praying, and saying all the parts of the Mass that are designated for us. We'll talk more about the Mass, including the Latin Mass, in future lessons. I just started going to the Latin Mass at our parish a couple months ago. I read a book by Scott Hahn a few years ago called The Lamb's Supper, where he said that the Mass is the closest thing that we can get to heaven while we're still here on earth. When you go to the Latin Mass, and especially the High Mass, you definitely feel like you're in the presence of God and all the angels and saints. You know, you don't just feel that. The angels and saints are really there present at every Mass. Let's hear a little bit more from the Bible, and this will reinforce everything that we've been talking about in the lesson. This reading will be from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 2, verses 41 and 42. This is about Jesus at the Feast of Passover. Each year, his parents went to Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up according to festival custom. Here's another short reading from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 5, verses 37 and 38. This reading is about Jesus replacing the old sacrifice and ceremonies with new. Likewise, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be ruined. Rather, new wine must be poured into fresh wineskins. Next week, we'll continue our lesson talking about the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth commandments of the Catholic Church. Hey, I'd like to do something special for all of you out there. Um, I'm going to give away a book. I have a few copies of Trent Horn's book that he wrote recently, Why We're Catholic. And it goes right together with what our episodes are here are all about. So what I'd like to do is give one of these books away at the end of February. So... Um, what I'd like you to do is go to our website, allaboutmycatholicfaith.com, and over on the right column, you'll see an area to enter your question or comment. So you don't need to put a question or comment there, but I do need you to put your name, your email address, and in the message box, just put why we're Catholic. Just that, why we're Catholic. And then over the next few weeks, I'll collect these and I'll have a drawing and announce the winner on an episode the first week of March. Before we wrap up this lesson, I want to thank you, Christopher, for being with us again. I hope you'll be able to join us again every episode. I really thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast series. I hope you'll take time to share this podcast with those you love and care for. You can also help our efforts by becoming a supporter of this podcast. It's easy to do. Just click the link that's at the end of the podcast notes or on our website, allaboutmycatholicfaith.com. Until next time, please pray for me and I'll pray for you. God bless you and goodbye. All About My Catholic Faith is a 2CJs production.